Sean is a fresher breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and that most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching you guys. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, Stay focused. Um, Work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a bomb. It builds a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation, welcome everyone to episode 137 of the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one self rated Buffalo sports podcast covering the Bills, Sabres, entertainment, and everything in between. And as always, part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us on Twitter at Witty Sports 716. And make sure you check out everything Built in Buffalo is giving you every single day. The best Bills content out there at Built in Buffalo underscore YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. It's a takeover. We are your hosts. I am Matt. He is Tony. Tony, how are you doing tonight? It's the final roster. Matt, what's up? That's the whole parody. And I bet you you no. can name this one. I felt like I needed to chime in like da 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 da. I was kind of wondering if you were going to. Uh, as I was writing it, as I was toiling with my yellow legal pad, I should have chimed in a little. I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we can we uh, can redo it. We can fix it. That's that song is part of it. one of my favorite shows ever. Arrested Development. Mm. It is a Joe Blues magician theme song. Yes, I always associate it also as a theme song with. And here's a deep pull. Here's a deep pull for anyone who is at Fredonia at oh some point in 2006. Talking Sonny's. Uh, no, I do not associate it with Sonny's, although that would make a lot of sense because Sonny's, as you know, has like a space theme. I don't know why I'm saying, as you sure. know, I don't know if you know that, but that's I what do. the walls are. But I was associated because uh, Ben Folds came to Fredonia in the spring of, I want to say, 06. Maybe it was 05. And ben Folds it was by himself, not with the five. Uh, it was there. were It was a group of three. Oh, Ben Folds four. So it was, if it was a group of three, how would it be four? Ben Folds doesn't count. You don't think in the Ben Folds five was so. there six people? I think so. Yeah, it was just it was just Ben Folds, a bass player and a drummer. Ben Folds, Ben Folds two. Yeah, if that's how they do the math, I don't know if it is. But anyway, so Ben Folds came in, entered the stage to Dreamweaver playing. You know, Dreamweaver. <laughs> it was clearly this contrived thing because he comes in a Dreamweaver and then he like plays a little bit or, or kind of starts up a little bit, warms everybody up. And then Benfold starts complaining that like his intro sucked. And he's like, the intro was bullshit and we got to redo it. And he said, <laughs> he's like, sound guy, don't play that Dreamweaver bullshit. Play the final countdown. I'm getting off stage. You play final countdown. And that is what I will come on stage to. And then he leaves the stage. They blast final countdown comes up. I'm not going to lie. It really got us going. It did amp up the crowd. But uh, I feel like I like later saw a YouTube video that kind of like exposed it. Or I saw something that like, so like he does that at every show or he was doing that at every show on that tour oh. in that moment. But that's what it's I like always a, It's like a bit. Yeah, it's a bit. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a witty, not funny bit. Even though Ben Folds is, Ben Folds is more witty than funny for sure. Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. He's Ben Folds. Ben Fold- yeah, he's Ben Folds. You should get him on the show. So you know who not Folds? This Bill's roster. <laughs> I hope not. Remains to be seen. Long season ahead. Remains to be seen. Before we get into our thoughts about the 
52 men that ended up making the roster. We have a packed show for you tonight. Later on, we welcome former Buffalo Bill, former Carolina Panther, all pro offensive lineman, Daryl Williams to the show. He talks about some awesome stories during his time with the Bills, Josh Allen's growth, what he's doing now currently with his Trench Mob Academy. Awesome stuff for you later on. But let's get into it. The 52-man roster because they signed a free agent after final cuts. Let's get right into it. Uh, There was a trade that occurred. uh, Typically, as Brandon Bean has done during his tenure, makes a late August trade. Uh, to get assets for a player who is most likely not going to make the team. In this case, it was a little different. Usually it's a player who we don't see any chance, any path. Maybe he's just out of favor. Maybe he's just not in good form and he just needs to change the scenery. Cody Ford, Russell Bodine. There's, there's been players throughout the years, late traded players. This year was a little different because it was a second round pick. who's only spent two years with the Bills. And that is Boogie Basham, who was traded to the Giants for a pick swap, essentially. So Boogie in a pick, I believe it's a seventh round pick for a sixth round pick from the Giants in 2025. So not even next year, but two years. Were you surprised? I mean, this is something we kind of had in the back of our minds. We mentioned it on previous podcasts and going all the way back to the spring of like, it was defensive edge room, especially if Vaughn comes back, which we know he's on the pup list and we'll talk about that in a minute, but Vaughn comes back and when he does come back even is pretty crowded with five very good players with the addition of Leonard Floyd this year. It seems like the writing was on the wall for a trade candidate coming from the defensive edge room. And it seemed to be down to Boogie Basham or AJ Epinesa. Now Epinesa is on the final year's contract. Boogie is still cost controlled with two years left on his rookie deal. So Boogie, I felt had more trade value in that regard. But the return tells me he didn't really have any trade value because a second round pick was traded for essentially a six round pick. Were you surprised by this? Uh, Like I said, we talked about it, so I don't know how big of a surprise it was. You're a fan of Boogie. I was not. So uh, how surprised, how shocked or disappointed are you in this news? I don't know if disappointed is the right word. I was surprised that that was the trade because I see Boogie's value is higher, but you know, value is a fallacy. Value only exists on what someone is willing to pay. And if what someone's willing to pay, and it's presumably the GM in the NFL that outside of Brandon Bean that has the highest knowledge of Boogie and his capabilities and him as an athlete in Jim Schoen and the Giants staff that came from us and was a part of that. So I would say, you know, that surprised me that that's what the value ended up being. Uh, after it was out there in the market. I was surprised because I don't buy that much into, you know, when people say like, oh, he's starting them in preseason to put them on display because they're for sale because they want right. to see what the trade value is like. I don't really put a lot of value into that. I think that that doesn't really do much. And I also think that him going to the Giants maybe supports that, that it's like, well, this person knew, this team, this GM knew a lot more about Boogie Basham than what is on display in that preseason and he had a nice game. And I thought Boogie was having a good preseason overall. And I knew he wasn't particularly like to, to me who Boogie was, was the name escapes me. But who is that? Who's that healthy. swing D lineman? No, that swing D lineman D tackle who was British that we had that one year. Oh, F.A. Obata. 
Yeah, Ephiobata, yeah. I was going to say Ephiofaba, but I know I know I was reversing consonants. Um, <laughs> That's a better yeah, name. So Ephiobata, right. Ephiobata, who I liked a lot. To me, like Boogie was just like Ephiobata, like good contributor, probably was not like consistently 12 sacks a year, but someone who who's going to contribute as a death piece and that's in this in our system is a necessary player does that warrant a second round pick yeah like maybe because you know that that's a role on the team that needs to be filled so i would say i was i was kind of surprised that we gave him up for that because as we got closer to cuts day to me like it kind of seemed like von was gonna be on the pup list for the sake of safety and then when it kind of seemed that way to me, when that occurred to me, I was kind of thinking, well, then we're going to keep every edge rusher that we have had, like that has been on the team, you know, maybe like from last year. And then when Vaughn returns, that's when like the edge rusher cut will take place and it will probably be boogie. You know, yeah, so I was surprised like, that it happened before. It seemed like what we got back for him. It seemed like it was just kind of a get any asset because he's going to get cut and we're going to get nothing back from right. him so i think i'm more disappointed in brandon bean in this scenario mm. for taking back to back to back defensive edges early round of course they took aj epinesa the prior year and then went back to back again with boogie basham and rousseau in rounds two and one the following year usually when you use a high pick on a position and double down on that position in the same draft it's not till later so for example when washington took rg3 they didn't take Kirk Cousins in the second round. They waited till the, I believe, the fourth round to take Kirk Cousins as an insurance policy, which is all mm. fine and good. You're not, you're not using high valuable assets at the same position, right? Especially or like Elam case, Benford, Elam Benford, perfect example. Yes, exactly. Right. First round mm-hmm. pick, sixth round pick. Yes, that's a great example as well. Probably hits closer to home than a Washington reference in this case. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm here for the fans. I help yeah, the fans yeah. understand. What your nonsense is about? I translate. We got we got fans into the, the layman's term. We got to la- cast the lay person. Yeah, cast the net wide here. That's uh, right. Give love to the Washington fans as well. That's right. Shout out to all those uh, Texan fans out there listening right now. <laughs> what up, Houston? With Nick Broker what up, Austin? Alex Austin. That's right. What up? So Green Bay was on at the time. In the house, Wisconsin. <laughs> Should we just like? shout out every state right now <laughs> just to cover our bases it's probably it's probably for the best it's probably smart moines, what do you think is the most random? Yeah, yeah i was thinking des moines too but i was trying to do i'm like no that's not an nfl city what do you think is the most random Tacoma, nfl team? washington seattle territory Ooh, baby who do you think is the most random forgettable nfl team the most random forgettable team currently no uh, not current not currently to me, that's a dangerous game. Like you can't think of it in terms of forgettable teams, like because they're bad. But yeah. it's and that's how you become forgettable. But just like in the worldview of you know a Buffalonian or a Bills fan, who do you think is like, oh yeah, that team? That's a good question. I'm, I'm gonna have to think about this. I'm going through all my divisions here. Yeah, I would say like the Houston Texans. That's why I said Houston because I think that's. Like we don't like we haven't really dealt with Houston in a long time. We haven't had any tidy Houston in a long would time. Would be a good candidate. I think I think maybe Washington would be a good candidate for that. Yeah. I'm trying to yeah. think of like NFC South, the Falcons. I th- the Falcons occurred to me too. That's a team yeah. that I feel like we have no connection to or tie to. I think those are the big three. I was thinking Chicago maybe, but we just played, yeah. them, so it's like tough. Yeah. 
it's usually like a by the way even though you're in rochester could you feel my smirk and how big it was as josh allen picked apart tremaine edmonds this third preseason game (laughs) yeah i felt the shockwaves of your smile yes i'm sure you did yes i was like yeah well if anybody knows him it's josh i remember thinking as i watched it i'm like wow i can't believe like tremaine edmonds has just been silent this whole game like i'm forgetting he's on the team one of the first plays was like a, I think it's kind of like a bubble screen to Deontay Hardy and Tremaine just like over pursued the crap out of it. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> there we go. That's what I don't miss. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. I mean, we'll see what happens in, at Mike linebacker. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. So back to Boogie, though. I think I'm more disappointed in Brandon Bean for his roster management in this case because they did draft AJ Epinesa, who they were still developing at the time. Mm-hmm. You draft Gregory Russo. If you're hope and plan was always to bring in a veteran like a Von Miller, like a Leonard Floyd down the line. And we can't predict the future. So maybe those don't come about, but you know, there was veterans out there to be had Yannick and Gawkway, guys like that, that could have been brought in. And now we're getting into like already, you bring back Shaq Lawson, even now we're getting already into the fourth DN fifth DN discussion here. So why invest a second round pick in someone who's, ceiling might be third d end at best here and that's not in mm-hmm. including if you don't bring anyone in it's just just didn't seem like good asset management from brandon bean at the time and the fact that me as a casual fan i did not like boogie basham coming out of college like i didn't think he just had any standout skill sets you know whether it was quick twitch ability or quickness off the ball and getting to the quarterback or even just moves and counter moves to get to the court. Like he was an energy guy. He was an effort guy, a lot of coverage sacks guy who didn't give up on the play. That's great. That's great. That's a trait that you can excel in. I, I just would let rather see some more standout impactful traits be present in, in who I want the bills to roster. And Boogie just didn't have any of those and they never developed. So just a clear case of it didn't work out and hopefully it does work out. Cause I think he's a good guy. And I think, He's a hard worker, obviously, so I hope it works out for him, but I think it looks worse on Brandon Bean, and now you're talking about an offseason where you lose a first-round pick in Tremaine Edmonds, you lose a second-round pick in Boogie Basham, and now the conversation starts to occur of like, well, is Brandon Bean really getting the most bang for his buck? He's really, he's not hitting on a lot of these early guys. He's had struggles in the first round. Kyrie Elam, even, we can start to have that discussion, I think, as he Continues to get beat out by Dane Jackson and Christian Benford. More power. <laughs> who looks like he's going to win the starting job. So now you have a first round pick in Kyer Elam, who you again traded up for. And these guys he's been trading up for. Tremaine Edmonds, he traded up for. He's using more than just the asset in front of him. He's adding assets to that to get these guys that don't seem to be working out. So, And then we're going to have a discussion in eight months about if AJ Epinesa deserves a second contract. So it seems like early rounds are a little bit of a struggle for him. Now he makes up for it with some fantastic picks in later rounds, Matt Milano, Dane Jackson be included in that. So there's a give and take to all this, right? But just in general, it seems like the higher drafted players should be the more skilled, the more impactful, the more NFL ready, I guess on your team. And it just doesn't seem to be, hitting for Brandon Bean in his scouting department. So I think it's a more disappointment on Brandon Bean's part than a more, more of a disappointment in Boogie Wonderland here, which is permanently close to the season. And as I put on Twitter, 
Never thought Martin's Fantasy Island would last longer in the Western New York region than Boogie Wonderland, but here we are. So all the best to you, Boogie. Let me say in defense of Bean and what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Like, Defend. I, Defend away think, there, Johnny Cocker. I think that we have a warped sense of the success rate of the first two days of the draft in general. Like, I don't think that Brandon Bean is hitting any less than any other GM. These early picks in the draft are like the risk reward picks. High, They're the highest ceiling picks. As I'm going through, like, I, I went on to look at the draft basically because I wanted to see play the stupid game of seeing who we could have gotten instead of Boogie Basham. Two picks after Boogie Basham, Creed Humphrey uh, was drafted, so that would have been nice. That would have saved us That's the one that always gets talked about. Of course, yeah. That would have saved us a step. Um, But even as I'm looking around, you know, in this, a lot of these players are nobodies and have become no and have gone nowhere and have become nobodies. Like, that's just how it goes. That's what the draft is. It's like a, yeah, it's like a one out of three shot over here. And I look at some of the bigger blunders, even like, you know, the obvious one right now from this draft that anyone would talk about is Trey Lance. Whereas right. the Niners like gave up a ton for Trey Lance and we all see, right. you know, where are they now? That's not putting John Lynch on the hot seat. This is whatever. This is how it goes. This is the league. This is the draft. I think we can all cool our jets with this. Yeah, no, it, it's a it's a fair argument and talking point for sure. I would put John if I was a Niners fan, I would put John Lynch on the hot seat because they gave up a king's ransom to get Trey Lance, who ended up playing two games, I think, for them. Yeah. So yeah, but they don't because they're winning and we're winning. So right. It's fine. it's all going to come down to winning. Mm-hmm. Tony, is it so wrong that I want to be the best at everything? I want my team to be the best at everything, the best GM, the best roster management, the best coaching, the best players on the field. Is that so hard? I mean, that's a winner's mentality. That's right. You're trying to be you're trying to be championship caliber over here. Yeah, first, you're last. You know, as I'm looking at this draft and as I've looked at a lot of drafts, why would you even bother taking a quarterback? In like the second or third round, it's like right. a one. Of, it's out. like a one in every ten years that works out. Right. Boogie Basham, For every Russell Wilson, there's like ten nobodies. Yeah, and like I yeah, like I was thinking, um, Andy Dalton, you know, is like what yeah. you're hoping for, or um, Carr is David Carr who it is. What was his brother's Derek name? Carr. Derek Carr. Yeah, and David Carr was his brother. Yes, former Bill. David Carr was a former Bill. No, he wasn't. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like, did I black out for that period of <laughs> Bill's fandom? It seems like it, because don't you feel like every top 10 bust ended their career with as like their one last ditch effort with the Bills? Brian Brown, Matt Leiner, Vince Young. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, they all did it. Everyone had one. So Boogie Basham, then Josh Myers and Creed Humphrey, then Kyle Trask. I don't know. You're only ever looking for a stopgap, I feel like, and just like hoping against hope. But seems like kind of a wasted pick. Yeah, I think I look. I think I look more of it like what are exactly are the traits they're looking for? Mm-hmm. Like what what attracted them initially to Boogie Basham? Obviously, they watch a million more times film and game and highlights and whatever than I ever would. So I'm just an armchair GM here, and I'm okay with that. But anything I saw was just like I don't see it. And usually, I'm watching clips from games and. Uh, of like his good plays, you know, mm-hmm. when you pull up a video on YouTube, it's like highlights and those are the good plays. And even the good plays, I was just like, I don't, I don't see it. So what is the scouting department and Brandon Bean seeing? I, I don't mind them t- 
taking a pick because like you said, and I agree, it's the NFL draft. Like 80% of the players drafted don't work out. <laughs> like they're going to be out of the league. They don't stick on a roster. They don't make an impact on a roster, especially. So I get it. Whether it's round one or seven, it's just, it's a crapshoot, a lot of it. But the the earlier rounds, the variables are less. Like those are supposed to be the more sure guys to make the impact. They're supposed yeah, to be but I don't the think they that... always, I don't, I don't think they always treat it that way. I think they treat it as the position coach sees something in that Coaches player. can coach up. And it, yes, that coaches can coach up and be like, right. ooh, like if I can just take that, maximize that, and then hone the rest, that mm-hmm. could be like a lot of fun for me. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. So exactly to my point of like, what did they see in Boogie Basham? I agree with all yeah. that. So again, best of and luck I, to Boogie. And I agree with you in the sense that I was like dumbfounded when we drafted two edge rushers in a row because I thought yeah, that was I think I think a lot of people were wasteful. Yeah. Seemed very wasteful. So mm-hmm. getting to the 53 man, Tony, anything stand out to you? Now, there's a couple things that we mentioned already. Vaughn on the pup list, Boogie traded, opened up room for a guy who we're big fans of, who's been on this show before, Mr. Kingsley Jonathan, Syracuse mm-hmm. Zone, making the roster. Tony, I'll just tell the listeners, I'll tell anyone who is trying to make an NFL roster who is listening to the show out there. That's the witty, not funny guarantee. You come on the show, you make an NFL team. You that's what, that that's what I was about to say. Like the road to success in this league runs through built in Buffalo, runs through witty, not funny. If you can keep up with us, you can keep up with an NFL team. Yes. That's a good way to put it. You can keep up with us. You can keep up at an NFL level and make an NFL roster and be really the darling of, of the last, 48 hours everyone's talking about kingsley jonathan and how much of an impact he's made and his amazing story which if you haven't listened to our episode with kingsley we posted it reposted it on twitter a couple days ago so make sure you go check that out if, if you check out anything just check out the interview awesome story awesome guy uh all the success he gets and that comes to him well deserved so make sure you check out that interview if you haven't from last year when he was a rookie so Really great stuff from Kingsley Jonathan from this preseason. And his play afforded, I think, the team to be more comfortable trading Boogie Basham. So good to see there. Other than that, I don't really think there were too many like shock and awe surprises. We see a couple of young guys getting their shot on the offensive line and Ryan Vandemark and Alec Anderson. I thought that was well-deserved. I'd rather see those guys continue to develop than keeping a veteran like Quisenberry, who very seemingly has lost a step, it seems like. So I, I like kind of the youth movement on the offensive line, and you can include Cyrus O'Torrance. See, I did it there. Osiris Torrance in that discussion. But other than that, I mean, no real, real shocks. What are your thoughts about the uh, final 53 man here? My initial impression was... Yeah, everything seemed essentially normal or essentially kind of as I had in my mind. And basically, my mind went straight to, ooh, we probably need to do something about this position or that position, you know, as it as it shook out. Like, I'm looking at two injuries in wide receivers, and I'm like, oh, all right. So, like, is someone going to come up? I'm curious who's on who we're going to sign to the practice squad that maybe is going to come up for a few games or who is going to be cut out there. Obviously, quarterback is something that I went right to it and I'm like, okay, I'm pretty curious about 
the quarterback situation now. Who else mm-hmm. is out there? Because we're going to need someone else there. Linebacker seemed pretty thin because I was surprised if Balen Specter went to an injury designation. And then I was like, okay, well, then we're probably going to keep fine. And we didn't. Right. I mean, of course, that got shored up with the signing of Christian Kirksey. Yep. Which is a big deal, I think. I think so, too, actually. Yeah. Like, a lot of people are saying, like, I anticipate him being a huge contributor on this team. And in the sense of, like, people are saying, it's like, well, about how he was signed to the practice squad. It's like, yeah, but that's, like, how it goes nowadays. It's like, you sign the practice squad and then soon enough then sign them to the active roster. Like, last right. year, Cole Beasley was signed to the practice squad. And he was on the practice squad for two days. And then he started the game. So I think this is really a, just like a temporary designation. I, I think he's, I think he's a big part of this defense. I mean, you know, a small big part of this defense because the Mike well, linebacker at least for the first team. month. I think as he gets up yeah. to speed with the playbook. But I, I do like the signing. It, it's a guy I wanted for the Bills and who visited the Bills two, three years ago before he signed with the Packers. And I, th- I thought he was pretty good for the Packers and then last year for the Texans as well. I think he recorded like 120 something tackles and a couple tackles for losses and things like that, which on a bad Texans team where the defense saw a lot of time on the field, I thought those were pretty impressive stats. So um, on a good defensive team like the Bills, I wouldn't call them great. I call them good. I think he can be an important piece. And I think that is the biggest question with Bernard's injury. He came back to practice today, but the other people in that linebacker room have not really been impressive to say the least. Terrell Dotson, I think, is the prototypical is who he is guy. Very good in the box, very good at run stuffing, but struggles in coverage as we've seen throughout his tenure, as there is career and throughout this preseason. And then a lot of unknowns, especially at middle linebacker. It's Terrell Bernard who's coming off an injury who we haven't really seen play. And we didn't really get a chance to see him play in the preseason either because of this injury. So we still really don't know what we have with Terrell Bernard. Has he improved from year one to year two? Has he picked up being a middle linebacker in this scheme, in this system? Spectre's going to IR, as we mentioned. And then Storin Williams, who seems to primarily be Milano's backup at this point in time. So middle linebacker is really a big question mark. And Tyler Matikiewicz is primarily a special teams player. So I think you're absolutely right when saying Christian Kirksey is going to have an immediate impact on this team. They have two weeks now to get him up to speed. I think this will be really good for him coming from a Texans team that had no chance of winning. And that's from his own words said he joined the Bills to join a winning team. So I think he's going to be pretty pumped up and energized to to make an impact on this team. And he has a great opportunity to do it sooner than anyone can imagine because his competition isn't really breaking any walls down here and, and really staking their claim to the position. So I really like the signing. And quite frankly, I kind of like the practice squad as a whole. I think we were able to bring back guys that I liked during the preseason who I want to continue to see develop. A guy like Cameron Klein, I thought was pretty impactful. He showed great burst off the edge and great speed and twitch. I, I really liked what Cameron Klein brought. And he was a big part of special teams as well, which I think, is another reason Kingsley made the team because he was on special teams. And I think he's a part of that where Boogie didn't really seem to be a, even considered a special teams guy, but a guy like Jamarcus Ingram as well. UB product. Good to see UB product sticking around you big, big week for UB. Cam Lewis makes the team. Jamarcus Ingram gets to be on the practice squad, but I thought he showed well during the preseason, Richard garage, 
I thought is a nice piece you can continue to develop. Who showed some signs of improvement throughout the preseason. Andy Isabella, obviously the preseason darling comes back. And I think that's another guy who's going to be able to make an impact right away on this team. Uh, Ty Johnson, who we got from the Jets, one game with the Bills in preseason, but showed well enough to make the practice squad. I really like the practice squad, actually. Some of these guys, in case of an emergency, in case of insurance, we need to call up. I think they can fill a role pretty nicely. I agree with you about the practice squad. I like Christian Kirksey's name. Kirksey is like, yeah, it's like it's like a built-in nickname for someone named Kirk. I feel like there's a, you know, like some young moms in Minnesota who call Kirk Cousin Kirksey, who like talk about like their <laughs> their pseudo crush on Kirk Cousin, or right. it's like you know, like your old friend, like your old friend from high school is like, and there's old Kirksey, and it's just someone named Kirk, <laughs> but old Kirksey, you know, like you you're at your high school reunion, and you're like, has anyone seen Kirksey? Yeah, where's Kirksey at? What that Kirksey's been up to all these years? Right. That's what I'm saying. Whew. Doing great things in the old Kirksey department. <laughs> so yeah, I like I like Christian Kirk too, but I like Kirksey. So that that is wild. Now I'm highly motivated to get Christian Kirk on this team with <laughs> Christian Kirksey. Josh's friend. We need them. Yeah. If we can get a multiplayer trade, get Josh Allen and Christian Kirk from Jacksonville to the Bills then we'd really have something going to get we both Josh Allen's on the bills, Christian Kirk and Christian Kirk C. Oh, wow. Now you're talking. That's, that's I the roster I need. Mm-hmm. Need to see it, Brandon, make it happen. Yep. Um, all beans. All beans. Yeah. Other than that, I would just say I didn't see any surprises. Honestly, I think we've, we kind of suspected some of the, the bubble guys would make the team when he minds went down. It seemed clear that Latavius Murray was going to make the team. Quentin Morris was a guy who people went back and forth on, but we were pretty sure he was going to be part of this team. And Tony, let's just all, Woody Nation, breathe a sigh of relief for the He-Wolf movement. He might be injured now, but he's still on the team as of August 30th. So it got a little shaky for a while there. Got a little nerve wracking. (laughs) Heart started palpitating a little faster at the He-Wolf movement. We, co- we called it a whimper, but feel like it, it could be making a comeback here, Tony. We're not dead yet. Ow, ow, ow. I think we were never close to dead. I think that if what I saw on TV is correct tonight, right now, as of this record, we have a rare blue moon in the sky <laughs> and the he wolf is howling because I saw Mac, the, Bills, the Bills posted a video today of he wolf catching a, catching a pass in the slot at speed. So it looked good. There's a lot of reason to hope on there. It feels like Justin Shorter's injury is more the is more the concern than anything. Yeah, and honestly, if they put him on season ending IR, I'm not mad at that. It's just the new Isaiah Hodgins, right? Like he probably has a four week injury, but it's like, oh, we don't have room for you. We're just gonna put you on season ending IR. Well, I mean, that's what I was thinking about because we we do have to make space because Vaughn is gonna come back presumably right. Christian Kirksey is going to have to be on the active roster. Otherwise it's going to be going to be risky. Um, Isabella. Yeah. Is it, that's what I was thinking too. Like early on in the early games, if shorter and Khalil are injured, is Isabella actually going to be playing and getting meaningful reps here? You know, will, will Isabella be receiving the initial, be receiving the end, the, the opening kickoff of our opening game. That's possible. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's players on the practice squad that are presumably going to come up and like spend some time on the team. 
there are players on the puff list who are going to be activated and some players are going to have to, and that that's going to be, that's going to be tough to figure out. You know, as they say, like, this is not, as I, I sang the final roster at the top of the show, but this is not the final roster because we, there are moves to be made. Definitely moves to be made. I don't think this And on the practice is... squad too. There's, we got to yeah. get a quarterback. Yeah, we do need a, a third quarterback. I was shocked along with many people by the release of Bailey Zappi. And I think that would be a perfect third string quarterback to develop. I've been wanting something of that kind of ideal of a young guy we can stash on the practice squad for a year or two and then they develop him and make him a solid backup to Josh instead of this mm-hmm. weird burnout old quarterback rotation, Mitch Trubisky, Case Keenum, Kyle Allen. Like Mitch Trubisky is an old burnt out quarterback. That's what you're saying right now. Not old by age, but you know, he mm-hmm. wasn't successful in Chicago. Okay. He doesn't seem very successful in Pittsburgh. Like, yeah, he's just, he is, these guys are who they are. We know if a backup has to go in for a significant amount of time, you know, your playoff chances dwindle almost completely. So I'm on the mindset that the backups are just the backups, but it'd be nice to have just that one out of the five solid backups who are in this league, presumably be on the Bills roster. So I just think a young guy who you can develop would be a good idea. And Bailey's happy. I like Kellen mm-hmm. Mond as another consideration for that. Mm-hmm. I thought was pretty good for the Browns this preseason and the, the couple games I saw them play. So I'm just saying, like, we do need a third quarterback for scout team. And there, there's some guys out there who, I, who I'd, I'd actually like. Yeah, Matt. So then, well, then let me ask you. So you kind of said it with the quarterback situation. Let's play a little game of would you rather. Oh, okay. I will present to you. Two players. Is this hosted uh, by Steve we'll, Harvey? It, well, it legally has to be because this is a Bills podcast. Okay. I'm surprised Steve Harvey hasn't been hasn't been adopted by the Bills in some way, like in a in a Kyle Brandt sort of situation. Oh, don't even mention Kyle Brandt. Oh gosh. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. For all the uh, Bills fans that bought and sold Kyle Brandt as like part of Bills Mafia, I'm like, no, mm-hmm. he's on a nationally aired show. Talking about the entire NFL. He's not a Bills fan. <laughs> like he's from Chicago. He talks about right. every team and he hypes up every team depending on the topic of conversation that day. He was the other he was on the other day, like all dialed up in Jets gear. It's like if you were a true Bills fan, like you wouldn't I, I dare would never wear own, that. Yeah. You would never wear another team's clothing apparel or colors even. Right. Simply. So Kyle. I th- I think he pl- I think he played Bills Mafia. I'm sorry. Like, oh, I'm gonna have Josh on my show every week. It's not because you're a big fan of Josh Allen. It's because you know Josh Allen's super popular, and that this gets you clicks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think Kyle Brandt. I think it works. I think he's a fan of players first, team second, sure. and so I think maybe he has like his true team allegiance, maybe that he grew up with or whatever. But I think that you know he loves Josh Allen, and then by extension has a feeling towards the bills sure but then he also likes yeah i don't i don't really follow him enough to know like who he else also he probably loves that... micah parsons and has a feeling towards the cowboys yeah. on yeah someday. exactly yeah some yeah some arbitrary thing like that he's the, he's right, the so... drake of nfl analysts like <laughs> just be a fan got... of whatever team is the flavor of the month yeah i suppose so until someone shoots you in the back and then you're in a wheelchair the uh oh geez <laughs> it's a degrassi reference 
Yeah, fictitiously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. All right, so let's say so. All is, right, so would you, so would, would I you, rather? Would you, would you say Bailey Zappi is your number one target of available quarterbacks? Uh, he was actually my number two. Oh, okay. My number so one was taken recently, and my number one and was, was PJ Walker. That's who I was going to ask. PJ Walker was a would you rather? So let's say both of those are unavailable. Let's say we're just looking for maybe the devils we know. Would you rather have on your practice squad? So I just also want to say to the listeners, a lot of this is fictitious. Like I know a lot of these players are on other have gone on other teams' practice squads by the time you're listening to this. We are recording on a weird in-between time when players are in the process of joining practice squads. So also, like I know one of these players that I'm about to would you rather is on a practice squad, maybe both of them. So would you rather have on our practice squad former Bill Jake Fromm or former Bill Nathan Peterman? Oh, God. Oh, talk about two evils. I would much rather have Jake Fromm. I think wow. I think Nathan Peterman might be the worst were quarterback ever play in the NFL. Oh, my gosh. I think Nathan Jake Peterman Fromm, might be the worst all quarterback he did, the All Jake Fromm did and said, and you're going with Jake Fromm. Unbelievable. Would what, you rather? What is, why? Why would you rather have Peterman? I wouldn't. I'm just dogging you. I I wouldn't rather have Peterman. What do we Although know about Peterman Jake has P- Peterman has pieced together more of a career than Jake Fromm has. So uh, there's that. Has he? What kind of career? A terrible career? Well, J- I mean, he coaches have backed up and stuck lo- with loyalty to Nathan Peterman in a way that they have not to Jake Fromm. Which Peterman is the finds weirdest thing because. Yeah, that's what every I'm time we see a coach talk about Nathan Peterman, it's like, get rid of the ball, Nate. What are you doing? Why'd you make that? <laughs> like, it's all negative. If you watch the Raiders hard knock season when Gruden was a coach and Peterman was in camp for the Raiders, I felt bad for Nathan. Pe- like, if I was Nathan Peterman, I'd be like, I am so out of my league. And he probably is has been out of his league since the moment he stepped on an NFL field. But like coaches, I feel like make fun of him. Yeah, that might be true. I mean, he's got a Dang. stigma. So what do we know about Jake Fromm? Knows the system. A. B. Good looking mom. Always important. Yeah. White supremacist. Three. three. <laughs> no. Three. That's three A. Three B. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's three B? Uh, great, great Twitter handle name. Jake from State Farm. That's true. Yes. Okay. So three positives already for Jake Fromm. How many positives can we really attribute to Nathan Peterman? None. Other than possibly has blackmail on every coach in the league and that's how he sticks on a roster so you said you, you said you think kellen mond is interesting yeah so kellen mond or trevor simeon oh kellen mond in a second wow okay so you don't like trevor simeon okay. i do not like trevor simeon trevor simeon so got, got destroyed by the bills when he was on the broncos well yeah i mean i'm not trying to get him in here to start or like to be i also think i also think kellen mond has qualities that and this is not even a comparison because they're not even close in skill set, but he's a closer comparison to Josh Allen than Trevor Simeon would be. I, I never liked the idea of having to change an offense. Mm-hmm. Right. For the quarterback skill set. For the quarterback, depending on what quarterback's in there. So like Josh Allen, there's a system for him because he has a certain skill set that fits that system. He can run, he can run RPOs, he can scramble and there's design runs for him he can work out a play action there's a system for josh allen that attributes to his skill set matt barkley and kyle allen do not have even close to the same skill set that josh allen does so i'm not saying kellen mond is 
the next coming of Josh Allen, but feels like he's kind of closer on the spectrum to Josh Allen than the current two are. I'd much rather have Kellen Mond or Trevor Simeon in this case. Okay. I, I think you make some some decent arguments here. So then what about all this is not a will you rather, but what about like Malik Cunningham? Someone who's just like plays Malik quarterback Cunningham. just as like a, a freak athlete and yep. he's just athletic enough like to do that. Thumbs and up. And then he could yeah, thumbs up. I'm a thumbs up for that too. I think that would be interesting. I am all for Fun. freak athletes. Yeah, same. Like if you were just the quarterback in high school because you were the best athlete in the school. Yeah. And so like they just put you a quarterback, like that's that sounds right to me, especially for for a practice squad quarterback running the scout team, gonna be mimicking yep. the other, you know, the uh, the opponent of the week. Oh, that Lamar sounds... Jackson were playing this week. Yeah, we got a guy who right. can be kind of like Lamar Jackson. Yes, exactly. I actually like and... Mike Cunningham. I think a lot of Patriots fans did too. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. So is all the would-you-rathers quarterback-related? No. Nope. I'm about to hit you with some wide receiver situations here. Because we know we got some injuries at wide receiver. Maybe maybe bringing someone up. Would you rather stick with some of the players we've had? Let's say Terrell Shavers. Would you rather stick with Shavers or sign back former Bill Jamison Crowder? Oh, Crowder in a second. Same. So it makes me wonder why we're doing that. I'm upset they didn't re-sign Crowder to begin with. Same. When he was season. gone, I was like, oh, we should bring him back. Oh, I mean, I mean, recently, recently, when I found out he wasn't going to be making the roster initially, I'm like, oh, we should pounce on that. Yeah, I think we, sh- we should have brought him back anyway. He was a for the one game he played in was a pleasant surprise. And we've seen him be successful throughout his career, whether it was in right. Washington or New York. He seems like the prototypical. I think the Bills were looking for a Cole Beasley replacement and they ended up just going full circle and bringing back Cole Beasley last year anyway. Yeah. In Jamison Crowder, they're looking for it in Isaiah McKenzie. It didn't work out. I think they brought in Crowder as an insurance policy to be the more stereotypical slot receiver than McKenzie was. And I actually thought Crowder showed pretty well and showed he could be that safety valve, can play that Cole Beasley role for Josh Allen. So for a guy who got hurt last year and you could probably have brought back on a vet minimum, I'm actually a little surprised they didn't resign him because it doesn't seem like the current roster has that typical slot receiver guy, mm-hmm. that Cole Beasley yeah. type it's, player. It's He Wolf, yeah. It's He Wolf, yeah. It's He Wolf right now. And yeah. he's the closest comparison we have. But other than that, Isabella maybe is probably your next your next guy up. I don't know. He's more of like Isaiah McKenzie in my mind, or like exactly to me, Hart, too, or like yeah. Hardy. I just need a guy who. And we've we've always said like these positions are fluid and interchangeable. So who's our best slot receiver is probably Steph Diggs. But I just need a guy who Crowder Beasley type. When when I say that, it's not just like oh he can catch five yard passes and be a safety valve or a dump off for Josh. It's like a guy who can understand that oh I need to sit in the zone here or I need right. to move here. Like he understands defensive schemes and how to play the slot role. Not just going out there and running short to intermediate right. length routes. It's like, but I mean, oh, I'm really you're understanding de- the game. Yeah, but what you're describing is now that role is Dalton Kincaid. Exactly, yeah. So it's that, like, That's going to be Kincaid's role this year. Maybe that's why right. they didn't resign a guy like Crowder, bring in a guy right. like a Beasley or a Crowder, because Kincaid's going to play that role. Yeah. And I'm actually excited and then, for that. In a, and then in a few situations where it, wouldn't be a tight end or shouldn't be a tight end. Then it can be he wolf or spice things up with a hardy or who knows. Yeah. 
get some people in there. Let's spice it up. So then, would so then, let's say if I'm looking at other form bills, maybe I'm looking at the likes of. Would you rather have a? Let's take someone else from from the Rask Squatter. So Shavers, Aitman made the practice. Marcel Aitman or former Bill. You roll the dice and bring back David Sills, camp legend, skinny legs. Sills V. Yes, it took him um, five tries, but one of them's pretty good. <laughs> Neither, no. Uh, if I have to oh. pick one, I'd say I'd say Aitman. I don't know. I don't want to see those skinny legs on the, in a Bills uniform again. Yeah. I guess I don't I think care. the first uh, four David Souls were better than David Souls V. You think? I think so. I don't want the fifth worst David Souls. Oh, you think they just got worse over time? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption. I know nothing about this family. The first four David Souls. Yeah, Sills. What do you think Sills is? Irish? <laughs> yeah, probably. Can I throw a would you rather at you? Please do. Would you rather have Kingsley Jonathan or Mike Love? A Kingsley all day. Are you kidding? Friend of the show. But Mike loves kind of preseason darling for me at least. King Kingsley is a regular season darling. So don't come at me with your preseason fantasy world. I'm talking about real life. At linebacker, I'm seeing two former Bills. Our linebacker room's looking a little thin, even with Kirk himself. Kirksey. Uh Kirksey. So do you bring back? You want a little linebacker depth? Do you bring back uh, Joe Giles Harris, or would you rather roll the dice and throw way back with Tanner Vallejo? You want to throw an Andre Smith in there just for fun? A third? Is would he you cut? Rather? Is he available? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Then yeah, throw him in there. I would ever rather have Andre Smith. <laughs> I actually, wow. I thought Andre Smith was pretty good, and I think he's a good special teams player. So, yep. All right, so I'll take your choice there of Andre Smith, and I'll throw the biggest fireball of them all at you. Would you oh, rather wow. have Andre Smith or draft crush number one, bumper pool? Oh, <laughs> obviously it's bumper pool. I think it's bumper pool too. I'm saying that objectively. Bumper yes. pool is an animal. He's an animal. He is. I, and I think in some ways, like that's exactly what you want on the practice squad. You know, like stash on the practice squad oh, yeah. to develop, take the, take the rawness and cook it up. Yeah. I was just thinking, I was pool, actually thinking of bumper pool the other day. Sure. So was I, as I do most days. Go on. <laughs> as we do every day. Um, as I do most the days bills before I go out, to sleep. The Bills put out a, uh, a video of the players like golf chipping toilet paper onto a stick, like a toilet paper roll. It was like one of those like trick shot things. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just like, if Bumper Pool is on the team, you could do these viral trick shot videos with Bumper Pool playing Bumper Pool. Mm, very Inception. Wow. Like you're missing, you're missing this huge opportunity for social media clicks and views. Yeah, that's why people make the team. They they just put them on the team for who's going to be the most viral. Yes. That's what a coach is thinking. It's, this could be the new again going back to a former guest of this podcast. This could be the new hanging ten with Hamden. Oh yeah, hanging ten bumper with pool Hamden. with bumper pool. Yes. Okay, one more. So, would you rather stick with Richard Garage or bring back Bobby Hart? gosh is that even a question this is the worst would you Keep rather in mind, ever. we well we we just heard praises about bobby hart not so long ago from a well, first-hand this is, account this is, this is being recorded before that interview so i think if you're deep enough into the podcast world that you're listening to our podcast i think you know how it works <laughs> i don't think the illusion is we gotta is keep the, the, the timeline 
here, correct? No, despite the praise of Bobby Hart from our guests, I go with Richard Garage. I like I said before, I like the youth movement, the Alec Anderson, the Ryan Vandemarks making the team. And I like Richard Garage being on the practice squad. I'm actually glad we got him back. I thought he would be plucked because I thought he showed pretty well. And as we all know, as you and I know as well, it's tough to find tackles in this league and solid ones at that. Even ones you can develop who you think could become solid ones. Tough to find those guys. Richard Garage seems to be a guy that they can develop into a solid right tackle or left tackle down the line. So I would take Richard Garage. I actually really liked what I saw from him in the preseason. Fair enough. So it's I like that he goes by Richard, mm-hmm. not Richie or Rich, because we had a Richie before. And it, we had a Richie. Eh. It was so a we had journey. A Richie. To it didn't really work team. out. Let's, right. Let's just stick with Richard for now. Tony, one final thought about the roster before we wrap up our Bills segment here and get to our guest. Kyrie Elam was a big talking point leading up to the announcement of the final 53 man possible trade candidate. I thought that was way too early and way too jump in the shark or jumping the gun, however you want to describe it. But it does look like, based on Christian Benford's strong final two weeks of the preseason or of training camp and the preseason, that once again for the second straight year, Christian Benford has beat out Kyrie Elam. What do you do with Kyrie Elam at this point? Obviously, he's going to be on this roster. Do you continue? If you haven't already, do you start to look for a trade? Because it feels like his value is just going to keep diminishing if he keeps getting beat out here. And as the fourth cornerback, yes, he's a nice insurance policy in case someone gets hurt, but it doesn't seem like he's going to see a lot of time if people are healthy. He could even be a healthy scratch in a lot of cases here. So what do you do with Kyer Elam at this point? Do you start to look for trade or do you keep him around and see if it finally clicks for him? I don't know that I view Kyer Elam in such a negative light as you do. I don't view I him in a I, negative light. I, I, I view I, I think it's I think it's like I view Christian Benford in a more positive light. I think Kyrie Elam's a I think you view Christian player. Benford I in a good. positive I, I want to see him on the field though. Well I think you view Christian Benford in that light in that this is someone who you perceive as overperforming and someone you perceive as underperforming. And to me, I see it as Dane Jackson is the closest thing we have to the starter on the other side, because he Brandon Bean today praised Dane Jackson's offseason and preseason and said that he had the best camp of his career. Yep. So I'm viewing this more as Dane Jackson is probably is pretty much the two, but it's like I view it as like a two, two A, two B. And 2A is Kyrie Elam and 2B is Benford. And I think that we'll see Kyrie Elam get more reps than than the way you're talking. In there. And yeah, it's a nice insurance policy, but I, I think that Kyrie Elam is more than that. I think he's seen as good. I think he's seen as developing. I think it's going to click for him a little bit more this offseason. Or I shouldn't say this offseason, but as, as this season develops, I predict that by playoff time, we have a regular starter on the other side, and it's Kyrie Elam. Interesting. That is a hot take. It is a hot th- take. It's I, probably that, the hottest it, actual take I've I've made on the show without like trying to make it a hot take. Yes, I think so. It's not that I view Kyrie Elam in a bad light. I think he's a good player, and I thought he played pretty well, especially down the stretch last year, making significant contributions for this team. I'm not giving up on Kyrie Elam, but it seems like, again, it goes to the Boogie Basham conversation of like, Seems like a high asset used for a guy who's not really seen a lot of snaps 
mm-hmm. come Sundays or game days. So, well, that's the way it know. just works out. What you do is win the Super Bowl. That's what you do. You <laughs> take your incredible, matter. you take your incredible depth, and you go win. I hope so. I hope that's the yeah. case, and I hope that depth comes through. So, that's our thoughts about the initial fifty-three and the practice squad. Vaughn, of course, getting added to the pup. Shocked, I tell you, shocked, Tony, real quick. Vaughn did not come through on what he said. Yeah. He said he'd be ready by the start of the season. He had me fooled for like a week. I'll give you credit, Vaughn. He had me fooled for a week. Those spin jumps, I was sold. I was sold a little on those spin jumps. <laughs> That's fair. Again, so was I. It was crazy. Vaughn disappoints, and nothing he says ever comes to fruition. So he's consistent. I'll give him that. He's consistent. But let's wrap it up, Tony, because we got a big guest coming out of the show. Former... Buffalo Bill, Carolina Panther, all pro offensive lineman, Mr. Daryl Williams will join the Waiting on Funny Sports podcast after the break. And what do you say we just sent it to Marv? It only seems fitting. I, we have a big guest that we should have a big intro into that with Mr. Marv Levy himself. That is uh, the only appropriate way. Marv is only appropriate. How you segue in this town. <laughs> Marv, take it away. Listeners, we'll be back after the break. And we are back, listeners. Some say we are the podcasting all pros. And by some, I mean, of course, Tony and myself. But we thought we should actually get an actual all pro on the show as an NFL all pro. And maybe our biggest guest we ever had. And I mean that in every way possible as he stands 6'6", 300 plus pounds was what you were weighing back in the day, Daryl. But uh, eight years in the NFL, former Carolina Panther and Buffalo Bills offensive lineman, Mr. Daryl Williams, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you guys for having me. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time. We really appreciate it. We can't wait to talk about your time with the Bills, your career, and what you've been up to these days off the field with a couple of projects that we want to get into, all that. Uh, But let's start right at the beginning, just to kick it off. Um, For those who don't know about your pre-Bills career with the Panthers and in college with the Oklahoma Sooners, you were part of some very good teams back in the day. I remember back in 2014, uh, you were part of a game that had the most rushing yards in a single game. Samaji Pirine ran for 427 yards, fronted by you and your offensive line versus Kansas in 2014. Now, did you guys just see Melvin Gordon set the record the week before and were like, oh, hell no, we, we got to go beat that? Or did it just kind of come naturally? And, and Coach Stoops was like, in the game, the run game just couldn't be stopped. So let's keep running, run, running. How did talk to me about that experience as being part of history? Like, uh, it, I mean, it definitely came naturally. Um, if I remember, I think it was raining the whole game. So, I mean, of course, we just had to run the ball. And um, I remember I was playing on a sprained ankle to that game. But yeah, it was raining. So we were just running the ball the whole game. And, and it just ended up happening. I think, I want to say it's like the third or fourth quarter. And someone said he just needed a certain amount of yards to, to beat the record. So, we just kept him in and just kept going. That must have been such a cool experience. And for Samaji, who was a freshman at the time, like just to have the, the record like that uh, behind you guys, it must have been so cool. And of course, those Oklahoma teams had some characters. We know Baker Mayfield was on that team, uh, a younger Baker Mayfield. Uh, yeah. And of course, 
uh, current Buffalo Bill, Jordan Phillips. So the question has to be, we've seen Jordan Phillips' character. We've seen it uh, as a Bills player, kind of a goofy guy, charismatic, fun-loving. Was he like that way in college? We just have to know. Like, Is he the same way now as he was back then? Yeah, I would definitely say he's the same guy. He always acts himself, and yeah, he was always goofy. <laughs> Um, he was super athletic back in the day, and I, I'm guessing he still is now. So, yeah, ac- excellent. We've seen Jordan just kind of come into his own, and he drafted by the Dolphins, and then picked up by the Bills, and just kind of become as we always like to say on this podcast, like come to Buffalo to become your best self. And uh, Jordan's really exemplified that. So, uh, and he's a character, and the, this whole team kind of screams character. So, Tony, you want to kind of get into? Uh, Daryl's uh, NFL start to his career, 2015 draft pick, fourth round of the Carolina Panthers. I was going to ask about, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a Bills podcast. So to me, I was going to ask about, I mean, Daryl, you were so, you were one of many who was a part of that pipeline, sort of a stereotype that we have in Buffalo uh, when McDermott and Bean came over that so many players went Carolina to Buffalo, including yourself. So I just kind of wanted to ask um, about that, about, you know, something about like the culture of that, like if, if amongst the players that was a stereotype growing or if there were players in Buffalo uh, recruiting Panthers or if, if there were Panthers saying, hey, I'm kind of thinking about coming to Buffalo, you know, send out some texts, what are they saying? Or if you yourself would say to, if you were on the Bills, someone who maybe is thinking about coming from Carolina. Uh, I'm done. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't really hear anything like nothing about Buffalo with my last year in Panth- uh, with Carolina, but I do remember watching them in the playoff games against the Texans, and I remember oh, watching. And I was like, man, this team looks like they're gonna be really good, and it looked like they were having a lot of fun. And by the way, I forgot we had done a uh, we did a joint practice with them in training camp. And they were, man, they were killing us. And they were like, they were just having so much fun. I'm like, man, like, we're just, we were just dry, you know, just stale, not having fun. So I always kept that in the, in the back of my head. And then when I saw them in the playoff game against the Texans, I was like, man, that does look like a rising team. That looks like a team I would love to be a part of. And it just so happened the next year. And then that's how it shook out. So what yeah. are, so, so then when you arrived to Buffalo and, and to, to Rochester, I guess, when you're joining that training camp, now you're on the other side of the ball in the other uniform. Maybe what are some examples of maybe the fun that you then got to participate in? Like, what are, what are some of your favorite uh, memories of Fisher or memories of those early practices? Man, I think we, like, I think it was like the third or fourth practice. It was like one of the earlier practices. And uh, I think Smoke was on the team. And, like, we, I was with the ones, I was practicing with the ones, um, with Josh and we had, I think it was like the last play, last play of practice. Or no, we had went into overtime. We had went into overtime. We're like, no, nah, we want to stay out here and get like a couple more plays in. And I think the very last play, Josh just threw a bomb to smoke and he caught it in the whole, like the whole <laughs> offensive line, the whole offensive sideline just nuts, bro. And I'm like, dang, I haven't had fun <laughs> like this. And, and with football, honestly, and personally for me, since I was like in high school and I was like, wow, I mean, and I felt like I could be myself finally. Like I, I could have, I could truly act like myself. So um, going to Buffalo was a, definitely a good moment for me. It made me feel like, it made me love the game again. It made me have fun. And um, being in, in McDermott do a good job of letting you be yourself up there. Man, as a fan, like that's so 
like that gets me pumped up and that brings you know some pride to to my team that that's the kind of culture that that we have in here at first hand like that could you speaking of that daryl could you like when you first came to buffalo the whole the whole thing with sean mcdermott brandon bean was when they first came on board and became you know the buffalo head coach and gm was the culture change could you feel that culture like was it a different experience being in carolina versus buffalo was it a different culture when you you stepped through or is all the nfl cultures kind of the same and we just need a new identity in buffalo No, definitely. I mean, it was definitely a different culture, like in the locker room, as far as the players, the coaches. With the Panthers, I feel like it was like way more serious. But I felt like with Buffalo, it was serious. It was way more. It was serious. But again, they let us be ourselves and we could have fun. They treated us like grown men. You know, we could as long, you know, as long as we did what we had to do as grown men, we we could have fun and, you know, be ourselves. So and I, I loved it. My two years up there. Speaking of that fun, I, Tony, I think this is an important question uh, you would like to know the answer to. Uh, we're big fans of the dancing the players do during practices. Who was the best dancer during your two years here at Buffalo, would you say? You could say yourself if you'd like, if you want to give no, definitely not, props definitely here. Not. In Buffalo, I, I honestly can't remember in Buffalo. I remember Dion. Dion would always try to dance, but I, I didn't think he was the best dancer. But uh, <laughs> I will say, though... Uh, in Carolina, Trey Boston was like Trey Boston in uh, what was his name? Lou Young. Do y'all know Lou Young on social media? No. He's like a comedian. He's like a big, big comedian. He goes and um, acts like other, you know, celebrities. Y'all gotta look him up. He was like one. Of, him and him and Trey Boston were probably the best dancers like before practice. But I know it's Carolina. But anyways, that's all I can remember. <laughs> who, would, who would say they were the best dancer? That's probably a better question. Would it be Dion? Dion, yeah, I would probably say Dion, but I, I don't remember like a lot of dancing back then. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure. Bobby people... Johnson, coach? Yeah. He was a good dancer. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, heck no. Nah. <laughs> so when you came to Buffalo, uh, obviously different culture, obviously different experience. And with that experience comes the fan base. Obviously, we are two members of the Bills Mafia. Some say it's the best fans in the whole league. I, I think there's a billboard somewhere in New England to prove that. Uh, so talk to us about the fan base. I mean, you had a crazy two years here in Buffalo. You came in 2020, which was the COVID year, where no fans were allowed to be anywhere near the players or anywhere in the stadium. So going from that in 2020, experiencing no fans to very little fans in the playoff game and the Ravens playoff game, for example, um, to 2021, where fans were allowed back in. What was your experience with Bill's Mafia? Was it kind of everything it was hyped up to be? Because you had that year buffer of like, what what is this fan base about? They're jumping through tables. I see them doing all these crazy things, but it's COVID. So we don't get to experience any of that. But, and then did, did 2021 hit and all the fans came back and you're just like, oh, yeah, this is what they were talking about. Yeah, I mean, by far the best fan base I've been a part of. Um yeah, in the playoff games, they were super loud. I, I can't remember how many people were allowed in the stadium back then, but it, it felt like it was a packed house. Um, the first game coming back in 20, 2021, you know, obviously the fans were back in the stadium, and they were so crazy and loud. I was ner- like, I was so nervous, like, because we we just had played a whole year without fans, and then to to first experiencing, you know, the Buffalo Bills fans, I was like, these people are crazy, but. You know, I'm glad they're on our side, man. So it was crazy. 
Uh, very uh, surreal. Very, very surreal. But I think the fans in Buffalo is what makes Buffalo, like the people in Buffalo, like they treated, they definitely treat football players like, it's like the most highest respect. And I, and I love that, you know, about the fans in Buffalo. Yeah, there's an awesome connection between the fans and the players. Even if we see somebody out grocery shopping, it's just like, just like they're part of the community. It's not like they're even a, a Buffalo Bills player. <laughs> like they're kind of our neighbor next door. So it is really, it is really cool. So uh, I'm glad you, you got to experience that. And there wasn't two years of, of no fans in the stadium. Cause I think that would be a disservice to, to this fan base and what it means to the team and what it means to the city as a whole. So, I mean, you were in that Ravens playoff game when, when Taron took back that pick six, like, were you guys just losing it on the sideline? <laughs> like, oh my, it's like, like I think that game was just like, I think it was very close, and that was definitely like the defining. Like, yeah. if he didn't do that, I don't know if we would have won that game. You know what I mean? So he, we were definitely going nuts on the sidelines. So, man, I was like, thank God, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like yelling at the TV when he scored. I was. I think I was crying, honestly. I'll admit it on the podcast and <laughs> to the nation here. I, I was I was like the happiest ever. <laughs> that was crazy. So I was thinking, you know, we've been talking about Buffalo culture and like Bill's culture and the, you know, sort of like philosophies behind the culture that's been built. So I'm I'm led to ask what what aspects of your time, both here and in Carolina, I guess, what have you taken from from those coaches? What have you taken from Sean McDermott and, and from the coaching staff here uh, that you bring into your own coaching now with uh, Trench Mob Academy and developing future O-linemen? Definitely like a sense of family and, and God, um, for sure. Like once I started training, you know, training kids or not even kids, even grown men, it's just like, you know, these people look up to you, especially the kids, they look up to you. They want you to mentor them. They want you to give them advice. And, you know, I always tell tell my clients, reach out to me anytime. If you guys need anything, have any questions, you know, I'm always here for you. So I kind of, I try to implement that uh, sense of family in my business as well. You know what I mean? And, and it just, it, honestly, it, it just happened naturally, like with the parents, with the kids, anybody. And I'm just like, wow, you know, it just, it's just crazy how football can affect your life. You know what I mean? And just in a family sense and, so that's, I think that's one of the the number one thing as far as uh, training. Mm. training. Yeah, for sure. Trans, Bob, is this the yeah. first year? Or? Yeah, I don't even think we, I don't even think I reached a year yet. I think it's coming up on a year, but yeah, this is, this is definitely first year. Looking at the website and it looks like a great program. Are you, are you trying to get it to be like the offensive lineman version of like tight end you? Is that the, the main goal here? Um, I wouldn't say that. I'm just, I would just say I'm just trying to, you know, grow it, see where it goes and, I, you know, just do my own thing, make it, you know, what it is, you know, I mean, it's definitely started starting off amazingly, like a lot of clients and again, that sense of family and just going from there. So I, I mean, I'm thankful. Thank God that, you know, it's turning out great. That's great that you can give back. I mean, I, I'd never played at a level even close to, to what you played ahead or any of the, the kids you mentor play at or going to play at probably. But uh, I know when going to like summer camps for sports and, and an athlete would come by just and, and just kind of talk to you and just be a, be a real person and mentor you and teach you things that like that was, that meant the world to me just to, so big, big kudos to what you're doing down there with trench mob and, and growing that and giving back to, uh to some future stars probably. <laughs> so, 
What what else you got going on off the field? You got trench mob and anything else you've been doing these days? Man, just being a full time dad, and I say full time because you know obviously the football we're just busy. So I mean, I say wifey's doing a hundred percent of the things, but now I'm here, you know, retired at the crib, so I can help her, you know, give the kids a bath, put the kids down, feed, you know, feed the kids, take them to school, and that, and you know, that's the the number one thing I love in my life is just being my family, my wife. My two little kids taking care of them, man. If it was a, if I get paid to do that job, you know what I mean. But it's it's good, yeah. not it's just good to be around my family and be the full time husband that I always wanted to be, you know. And God has blessed me through football to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I have two kids myself, so I mean, that's yeah. every day is a blessing and an experience. And between the good and the bad, like yeah. everything, <laughs> everything is fun as a dad. Trust me. Love watching my kids grow. I'm sure you do too. So uh, going back to your NFL days, uh, let, let's talk about some of the teammates, uh, some of the guys you played with. Um, obviously, you you were on the Bills 2020-2021 with uh, a Josh Allen, who is who is a, a youngin coming up, uh, not quite the star he is today. So talk about playing in front of him, being with him every day. Did you see that growth in your two years here at Buffalo? And how does he compare? How did he compare to a, a guy who he's been compared to a lot? A guy you blocked for as well in Cam Newton at Carolina. Uh, so did you see Josh grow in the two years? And and what do you, you think of his, his game now? And, and how does he compare to Cam Newton? I definitely saw him grow definitely from the first year to the second year. And, and definitely going into the first year during uh, later on during the season, like his confidence was just through the roof, man. And that's that's really like the main thing you need and you know, in a professional sport. So and I always compared him to Cam, really. Like they're to me, they're they're damn near the same type of players. I just think Josh probably throws uh uh better and Cam runs a little bit better, but Josh is a hell of a runner too. So I mean they're they're both to me identical and I can't wait to see what they do this year. You you do the same thing we do when you you saw Josh make some of the throws he did and just like kind of jaw drop like how does he how does he do that <laughs> like, we'll just be watching on TV it's like sometimes I just got to shake my head and be like man how does he do that did you did you kind of have that same experience kind of watching him and blocking for him sure, definitely when I was blocking for him I was like wow <laughs> like it, it's it's like one of those teammates you go into the game is like if this guy just plays good we you know we're gonna. Play. You know what I mean? Like, if he just plays good, like an ounce of good, we're gonna win the game. You know, he, he was that type of player. <laughs> it's, you know I mean? it's just, it was just crazy. I was like, I know, I know. If I'm, if I miss my block here, he's probably gonna not give up. You know, he's not gonna get sad. You know what I mean? Nine times out of ten, he's probably not gonna get sad. So it's just, it's just good. It was just a good feeling going to a game with Josh Allen. I'm sure a lot of people share that. <laughs> Two block form. These past four or five years here, so I mean, you mentioned Deion Deion Dawkins, but you know, maybe who are some of like the more closer relationships or the people in the offensive line room that sort of left an impression on you, and maybe some some stories from them. I mean, I think Cody Cody Ford. I mean, I mean, honestly, that whole group I was with the past two years, Mitch, um, Ike, I think Jamil. Kind of Spencer, like the, when the when the rookies came to Spencer and um and Doyle, uh, I feel like I'm missing somebody. But I mean that Bobby Hart. I mean we we had a great room. I felt like we were had a 
a great, great room. We're all close, man. A story I could tell you guys. I honestly, I honestly kind of like the dad of the group. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, to me, I was like the grumpy old man of the group, like <laughs> the, the complainer. And I wasn't, I'm not even that old at the time. You know what I mean? I'm not even that old, but I'm just like always tired. And I was <laughs> grumpy and complaining. But um, I think Dion was like the, the goofball of the group. Um, Mitch, no, Mitch was the dad of the group. Mitch 100% was like the dad <laughs> of the group. You know what I mean? He was definitely the dad. Yeah, no, we had a good, good group, man. Probably one of the best offensive line group as far as like friendship that i've been a part of i feel like you guys are are like a like a boy band like he's the bad boy he's the he's the charmer he's the romantic yeah like personalities or identities Uh, (laughs) i don't think i got a quick story like just a real quick story like we did um yeah we did the uh we do gifts exchange at the end of the year and i think uh i can't remember who got this gift, but somebody got somebody a flamethrower for Christmas, bro. <laughs> a full-on flamethrower. <laughs> I've never seen that before in my life. I forgot who got who gave the gift and who, get, who took it home, but somebody got a flamethrower that year. That was, that was pretty Oh, cool. man. Well, now that you have kids, at least it wasn't you who got the flamethrower. <laughs> you got kids around that. My wife would definitely not let me take that home. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good. That's a good gift. I guess I don't know what you do with a flamethrower, but yeah. it's pretty cool. Gotta be, it's got to uh, so be for who, melting snow. Oh yeah, right. There you go in Buffalo. Like we've seen those videos. Yeah, if you're in the driver with the flamethrower. You mean in Texas? Have to be like, man. Thank, thank God, there's no snow anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my! I'm not gonna lie. I hated the snow. Like I loved it as far as like like Christmas chilling in the house with the fire on, but like going out in that snow was crazy, man. That was oh crazy. That is crazy. Was that the was uh, was your years in Buffalo the only years of your life that you lived in like a snowy climate? Yes, one hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> like having All having right. those those big old big ass like snow mountains in my yard. Like that, <laughs> that was crazy. That was crazy. Snow mountains. I like that. Snow mountains. Snow <laughs> We, we just call them snow banks, but I feel like that's underselling them. I like yeah. snow mountains. <laughs> um, Daryl, of course, the listeners know of our podcast. We try to be funny. We're not always successful, but we try. So when you were with the Bills, who was the funniest teammate, you would say? Not even on the offensive line, just in that locker room. There were so many characters, as we know, with, with guys you know, being so funny and, and witty sometimes. And uh, we've, we've seen it throughout the years, but your personal experience who was like the funniest guy we've seen isaiah mckenzie be kind of a prankster but who who would you say was the funniest in that locker room during your time with the bills i mean i'm gonna say josh was pretty funny josh was funny he always he always yeah he always joked around had jokes especially josh i'm gonna say i think t dot was pretty funny yeah i would, I would definitely say josh allen and uh t dot for sure isaiah was funny but he was more more annoying to me but he was i mean he definitely was <laughs> jokester <laughs> it feels fitting i don't know i feel like a lot of people would say the same thing like yeah it's kind of annoying. yeah i would say that's the outside looking in impression too yeah. <laughs> and of course like the final question i have to ask because you were in the locker room because it's one of our favorite viral videos ever and it's of a current buffalo bills player when stefan diggs was on the minnesota vikings they asked him they asked all the people in the locker room who would you not let date your sister and everyone said stefan diggs so the question i have to ask you I don't know if you have a sister, but if you do or did, uh, would you let Stefan Diggs date your sister? 
No, hell no. No. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no, sir. Not much has changed. <laughs> nothing, nothing has changed, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, listeners, that is confirmation from a Bills player, former Bills player himself, that he would not let Stephon Diggs date his sister. No. He said to get that on the record books. Daryl, playing offensive line now, let's, let's talk about it because, I mean, we as – Bills fans who are so, you know, indebted to the team and so close to the team. It feels like we're our own armchair coaches sometimes. And we kind of say like, oh, why isn't this guy doing this? Or he's got to be better in this way and that way. And like, just talk about just playing offensive line every Sunday going up every week, going up against, you know, the best athletes in the world as a former all pro. What do you think a young guy coming into the league who's developing like some of these Bills players are. We got we got some young guys on the offensive line currently. But what do you think are some of the more important traits to be a successful offensive lineman in the NFL? Is it physical and quick feet? Is it mental with the, you know knowing your your blocking schemes and things like that? So what would you say is the some of the things that you need to be successful? I think I think it's all mental. Like my two of my best years was my all pro year, and I think my first year with Buffalo, and it was all mental for me, and it started in practice, like. I'm gonna have a good practice. I'm a I'm a I'm a picture this practice like game day. You know what I mean? So it was all mental, and it was, I was kind of like a robot. And I, I know that's kind of kind of bad to say, but I was like a robot. Like I had my routine. I did my routine to to the T. Like every little thing, I did the same thing. <laughs> like say, if I had a sandwich on a Thursday, I'm having that exact same sandwich on a Thursday. <laughs> But I mean, but my whole, I had a routine. I'm doing the same thing every day and everything was just mental. Like, even if I lost, you got to keep that switch on. Like, okay, if I lost a, a rep or a block or missed a block, who cares? Just go to the next play and just keep going, you know, just keep, uh, you know, fighting your ass off. So um, it's definitely mental. It's definitely mental. And obviously knowing what you got to do and just performing. No, I, I think that's a great point. And, you know, I think, the offensive line is such a key to the team's success. You guys really are the cornerstone of, of success because I think we know quarterback's such a poor position. If he's not upright. If he's not making throws. If he doesn't have time to make throws or do his thing, it's not going to lead to a good outcome. So what you guys do is incredibly important on the offensive line. Do you still, you still chat with any of the, the current Bills players? You know, talk to Dion or, or Mitch and, do they do they clue you in on on what's going on these days? I have to talk to them. I do need to reach out though. But um, I mean, like I said, that's a we were still we were close. I mean, I, I imagine if I still hit them up, they'd hit me back. And you know, those guys are good dudes, man. I, I miss I miss that group. Definitely had a lot of laughs, had a lot of fun, and went to war together. Had a lot of battles. So was Coach McDermott a big like influence? You know, Brandon Bean. Sean McDermott coming from Carolina with you deciding to come to Buffalo? That's a good question. You had that because you had that like familiarity with them. And I, I want I, I want to say it was an influence, but I didn't want to say it's like a big influence. I, it definitely was, but it wasn't like a like a huge influence. You know what I mean? Like, again, honestly, it goes back to that playoff game. I saw them playing. I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? No matter what, I want to be a part of this. I think I can help them. And of course, like you said, the ties with Coach McDermott so, and, and Bean. So it just ended up happening. Now, this this preseason, we saw Coach McDermott, second week of the preseason against Pittsburgh, wear some 
wacky old lady sunglasses. Did he ever wear those when you were around? I, I think I saw that somewhere. I mean, they, they were straight out of Golden Girl. We, we had big problems with them. Tony actually them. liked them, which is... I like those sunglasses. I, mean, that's I don't have a problem, discussion no problem with them. They, would, they were I would awful. wear them in a second. My 80-year-old my grandma's wearing those things. Has, did he ever wear these old lady sunglasses when you were around, whether in Carolina no, I've, or Buffalo? I've, I've never seen that. That was the first time I saw that, too. That, uh, yeah. I'll send, you, I'll send you a picture. You'll have a good laugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was, there, was there ever a noteworthy fashion faux pas that you remember from your time in Buffalo out of anybody? I mean, the glasses are maybe the new thing now, but was there anything that happened that you were like, what is this guy wearing? Like, what are we trying to do right now? Like when when Steph came on the team and he had his shorts cut super short. (laughs) Like, were you just like, what, who is this guy? Yeah. That, I mean, that is a thing though. That since Carolina, like that, that was a thing, like super short. Yeah. I I don't, and people do that in practice too. And that, (laughs) that definitely is a thing. I I was like, yeah, that's, that's weird though. But hey, 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 hey. But uh, yeah. goofy outfits Cam would wear. <laughs> did you ever get on him for that? Oh, yeah. That's everybody did. Everybody did, man. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> He's a character in himself. Uh, Tony, I, I think we've taken up enough of Daryl's time. Daryl, awesome talking to you, my man. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Hope you had a, we always like to say, we hope you didn't have a funny time, but hope you had a witty time. So hope you had a good time on the show for the listeners who aren't following you on social media and whatever you're up to now, uh, you know, plug away. What, where can we find you and, and keep up with what you're doing? Yeah. Y'all can find me on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, um, Facebook, all under Trench Mob Academy with two B's. Give me a follow and I'll follow you back. Awesome. Awesome. Daryl, thank you my so much, my man. Always welcome back. Uh, really appreciate the time. And, uh, Best of luck with the trench mob and be keeping up with it. You're doing awesome things, uh, you know, mentoring these young kids and, and giving back the way you do. So thank you for that. And thank you for being the uh, Buffalo Bill for your time <laughs> and sharing stories with us. We always love to hear that. So thank you again. And uh, we'll catch up with you later. Appreciate you guys. Y'all have a good night. Thank- awesome. Thanks, Daryl. Thank you, Daryl. Appreciate it, man. That sound you hear? That's the sound of opening up a refreshing cold one on a hot summer day. And you know what's keeping my drink cold, listeners? A quality koozie from Traveling Growler. Follow them on Instagram and check out www.travelinggrowler.com for all their cool designs. Keep the chill in your fill and travel in style with Traveling Growler. Now back to the show. And we are back. Once again, a huge, huge thank you to Daryl Williams. Awesome stories. Awesome interview. Great guy. Super nice. Coming on our show. He's doing big things now off the field, or I guess off the NFL field, on the football field still with this Trench Mob Academy. So big kudos to Daryl Williams for all he's doing. Thank you, Daryl. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Keep up with what he's doing. Uh, Tony, we got some shunning to do as we wrap up. And only a couple shuns left. The summer's ending, so we can't have a summer of shunning when there's no summer. So we got about a, a good month of shuns left, so let's make them count. Uh, Tony, for this week, I will shun someone who I think is I, categorically the worst person in the world. I have a few ideas going through my mind of who this could be. You're really teasing it right now. Uh, and that person is, and I see it almost every day in my neighborhood or out and about. Okay. The person who No one who is going up, into my mind lives in your neighborhood, so... <laughs> I can't wait to hear who this is. The worst person in the world is the person who does not pick up poop after their dog mm. does their business. I see it every day. When I walk my dog, I see 
stray poops laying around. Just pick it up. Be courteous. When I'm mowing my lawn, I don't want to be dodging and weaving with the lawnmower because there's stray dookie on my lawn from your dog. Pick it up. It takes two seconds. You are the worst person in the world if you do not pick up your dog's poop when you're taking it on a walk. That is who I'm shunning this week. All the people who are dog owners who don't pick up after their dog. Good shun. It's it stinks when you have poop on your lawn and you're like, oh, now this is me for me to deal with. Yep. Matt, I am shunning. So the fall sports season is upon us. Yep. And for me, as as you know, as many, many listeners know, I do work a lot of fall high school fall sports in various capacities. No one creates problems for me greater than the ref or official who makes a clock adjustment on the move. And by that, I mean, there are two ways that refs usually do it. And I know, and this is an audio platform, but I'll give you the visual. So sometimes, let's say it's soccer, Matt. Sometimes the ref stops the clock. They stop where they are. They look to the press box, where I presumably am. They blow their whistle and X their arms. And they will continue doing that until they physically see the clock stop. Yes, I understand that. I appreciate those people because they have the apathy of there's maybe 25 people on the field. They don't have the the insane overconfidence that I'm looking to them at any given right. at every given time versus there's a lot of refs out there who it's a clock stopping situation and they give a little tweet tweet with their whistle while running. And then they put up their they put up their arms while running across the field, not facing the press box or clock manager, giving them virtually no hope of understanding that the clock needs to stop. This I would say it's in section five, maybe 50-50 are one of these two scenarios. But then the problem's created because people are unfortunately under the impression that the person working the clock is who has the power to stop the clock. No, 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 my friend. I know. The ref stops the clock. If you have a problem with the clock, yell at the ref. Then they will communicate to the clock operator. But so then the clock said clock operator just gets unfair flack. I've experienced it a million times. Now that the fall deserved angst. Upon us, yeah. Now that the fall sports season upon us is like, oh yeah, this happens. After I'm like reminded of this <laughs> as I am every. every Why aren't you stopping the clock? Yeah, I'm like, because that was not communicated to me. Don't yell at me. Yell at that. Well, yell at the official, please. Uh, so yeah, I refs are the worst. So, so I, I am sending my my opposite of shun. I'm sending my attention to the ref who communicates clock changes clearly, and I am shunning the refs who do it unclearly because they're in their own world. Shunning them. Refs. They're shunned. Ever they're since shunned. the inception of sports, back in I don't even know. Greek olden days, whenever sports were since invented, the, since the original Olympics, Mount since Olympus, the original Olympics, yeah, refs have been a stain on sports for all time. Yeah. Refs are good for nothing. They're supposed to keep the law <laughs> and order with their rules, enforcing the rules, and they just mess everything up. I mean, some of my fondest sports memories are playing pickup basketball, where we call our own fouls and get into an argument about it. Those are some of the the core memories. Part of sports. I want to be my own ref. Why can't we police ourselves? Why can't we ref ourselves? These third-party refs just get in the way. They don't know what they're doing half the time. The game's mm-hmm. too fast for them. They don't know the rules. What? How many times during an NFL game did you sit there as the refs deliberated for minutes on end and be like, 
you guys have no effing clue what you're doing. <laughs> Just like, why are you talking this long? This is very clearly a drop pass. It hit the ground. What are you talking about? These guys have no <laughs> idea what they're doing. And girls, refs are the worst. Good shun. We should get a ref on the show. Just blast them. Oh, yes. They Just probably don't question. get a lot of podcast requests. Why are you the worst? Yeah. Okay, yeah. good interview. Three second interview. Yep. Okay, bye. Hang. Zoom hang up on them. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, Tony, what do you say we wrap this up? Put a bow on it, baby. Put a bow on it. Let's do it. Thank you, of course, to our sponsor, Traveling Growler. www.travelinggrowler.com. Shop local. Support local. Quality koozie starting at just $5. www.travelinggrowler.com. Podcast store. teespring.com. Search Woody Not Funny or go on the googly search Woody Not Funny, all one word, plus Teespring. It's the first result that comes up. Check out all the original cool designs in the podcast store. Labor Day sale coming up this weekend. So by the time you listen to this, when it drops on Sunday, the sale will have started. So make sure you go check out the podcast store. You can find the link in our Twitter bio or X bio, whatever you want to call it. Teespring.com. Support the podcast today. Twitter handles, Tony, X handles. You can find the podcast at Woody Sports 716. <laughs> Where can the listeners find you, Tony, on any of your uh, social you, media? You can try to find me on X uh, at Tony Ambrose. You can find me so easily on Blue Sky at Blue Buffalo Sky. Sabres. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Instagram, um, Tony486. Threads? Uh, I don't have a threads. Okay. Is threads, is threads over? It seemed like it lasted like threads? three days and it was done. I know. I was going to say, I'm like, I don't even know if I feel like seeing memes about threads being done. So I don't trust that threads exist. Threads is like you the can... zoom of social media. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it was hot for like three days and then it just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me on Reddit talking ooh. up a storm. Wow. Posting on those blogs, those Reddit boards. I love Reddit. Uh, Reddit's my favorite Reddit's social great. media. Reddit's great. Reddit is great. The Reddit's OG. the only true the old is the only true social media we have left. It really is. You're right. Yeah. Um, where you can find the podcast, you can find the podcast, of course, on iTunes, Spotify, on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Dropping every Sunday. Search Witty Not Funny. Search Built in Buffalo. Hit that subscribe button. We always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time. We greatly appreciate it. In 137 episodes into this show. Truly do mean that. So thank you for all the listeners old or new appreciate you tuning in and despite what tony says i know you listen to the end listeners i know you listen to the end tony is wrong let's prove tony wrong and listen to the whole episode beginning end. tony that's all i got we're not doing send-offs anymore other than our typical go bills stay witty thanks everyone for listening peace bye bye later Marshawn is a fresher breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It, it, it kind of looks like a football, actually. It, Thank you for that. Stitching, you that, got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a bomb. It builds a bomb. 
It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. <laughs> 